0: Uh, Father Ryan Betway, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm really excited to be with you all today. Uh, last week, our passage from First Corinthians, our first, our first, um, our first uh, sermon in a, in a series on First Corinthians, we're doing, uh, ended on verse 17, which says, "We come not to baptize." Uh, but to preach, and today I get to do both, baptize and preach. So, take that, Paul. But uh, in, in reality, of course, what uh, he's communicating there is the uh, what we get to do in this time is enjoy his word and uh, sit under his word together. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be looking again at First Corinthians, verse eighteen uh, through thirty-one, as uh, as Keller read to us. So. So beautifully, that um, that, we, that we boast in Christ, uh, and, and, and specifically in Christ crucified, that we boast in Christ crucified. Uh, so that's our, our main focus today as we look at this, uh, this passage together. So if you will, please join with me in a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord. Bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. May they be always acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I I grew up here in the D.C. metropolitan area and uh, many of you may uh, may be uh, Maybe relocated from somewhere else. You may be among the majority of the people living in the, the D.C. area who come for a spell of time uh, and, and leave. Uh, I've been here long enough, uh, aside from uh, about 8 to 10 years of my life, I've lived here in the D.C. metropolitan area. Uh, and growing up here and spending enough time here, you realize that it's a very transient place. Uh, people come for uh, as a few years to D.C. in order to accomplish what they will in uh, in government and politics. Uh, uh, they come for a few months at times, even to come and uh, and have their their say in what. What happens uh, on the hill? Uh, they come for even a few short days at times to come and, and do uh, a protest here or a march there. And uh, not to say anything of, uh, of the validity of those activities, but it's more to say it can be a little bit disorienting if you're here for the long haul. As people come, they've got a lot of energy, and they're going to accomplish the thing they have to do in a short amount of time. You're like, do you have any boundaries in your life? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and again, I understand what that's like. Uh, and, and yet, uh, I also understand that, again, it, it can be disorienting. And, and um, you, you may have the same experience in your own life uh, that these, uh, these different ideas – Uh, Maybe the uh, Whatever it is that the the People are coming to do Whatever uh, philosophy or or Ideology of the day comes to the fore uh, uh, That confronts you uh, Whatever political pundit's poll Happens to be on your uh, Periphery that day Or whatever the new politician's plan is Will deliver us from Disunity that feels like it's ripping us apart That's pretty, you, uh, it's not unique to us as individuals, whatever our uh, our belief system may be. Uh, and this is actually exactly what uh, St. Augustine, uh, one of the greatest doctors of the church, was confronted with in his day as well. He was a young man who believed uh, growing up, uh, his really uh, he had totally ditched his faith, the Christian faith that he grew up with. From early, from a very early age, and his attention was elsewhere. On, uh, if you will, today we would say, on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, his uh, he he did not have uh, devotion. He, uh, in fact, searched far and wide, searching for philosophies uh, and uh, and ideas that would fill him, uh, would lead him to understanding. And he, pers- uh, he was persuaded more by the luxury and ease of life than by a life of service and sacrifice that he would later come to realize. He spent uh, years as a teacher uh, teaching Manichean philosophy uh, in his life uh, as well as, um, as, well as uh, being an orator and, and a rhetorician. So what is it that turned him? And, and, and what is it that... Uh, so impacted him such that he became possibly, arguably, the greatest theologian, uh, one of the greatest lovers of the church, and made such an enormous contribution and impact. What changed him? Well, it's exactly where we begin in this passage today. It's the same thing that if, if we're looking at the main point that we said today, is that we boast in Christ crucified. Defining the we as those who believe, as our passage says, it's the the answer. See, it's not a system. It, it's not the political structure of the day. It's not the social institution that needs the changing, or the idea even that delivers us from death. But in fact, it's a person. It see, it's the same person whose power Augustine experienced when he feverishly read the Bible one night after waking up from a dream. It's that same voice who speaks that word to awaken me in my life, in my 20s, that I needed to take the faith of my youth seriously and follow Jesus with my life. It's that same word that speaks to us each day as we commit our lives to hearing from God's word and from his Holy Spirit and of the various ways that we come. To experience his word. The word of the Lord. In word and sacrament. And in the sacramental life we live together. See, when it comes to the word of the cross. Of Christ. The the playing field is finally leveled. It's finally leveled. Last night, I briefly... Watched the Los Angeles Lakers lose to the Boston Celtics in an NBA basketball game. They lost in overtime. The last play of regulation, LeBron James, one of the greatest stars of the NBA, he was fouled, or so he thought, and frankly he should have been. But uh, as, the, as the arm of the defender came and grabbed his arm down, uh, he Rightly landed and thought, of course I'm going to get the foul. He's used to that type of treatment from the referees. Uh, more Better treatment, more fouls than a role player or a rookie draft pick might receive. But he was shocked, literally hopping mad. The highlights showed later that night that the foul wasn't called and they went into overtime and he lost. He, he's earned this level of respect, let alone to have an obvious foul not called. What gives? He is, after all, the king, which is his nickname. See, it's not so for us when it, we come to the cross. See, when it, when it comes to the cross, all presumption of acceptance based on anything other than faith in Christ disappears. You come to God Boasting in family of origin or reputation, skin color, creed, language, height, weight, income, education, service rendered, cognitive ability, physical ability. See, it's there at the cross that we find wisdom and the power of God. They meet together like two twigs of a tree tightly bound, upon which our Savior hangs, his head topped with a twisted crown, mocking him as as more a weak fool than a powerful wisdom. This Jesus makes clear that God first chose the Jews in giving them his covenant love and then opened wide the tent for anyone Anyone, anyone who believes to come into the presence of God. But it's there at the cross that we lay down our presumption. We come to God on God's terms, not on our own terms. It's there that God's perfect love compelled us to lay down any insistence that we have had prior to experience of the power of God. His salvation from death itself, secured in the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we participate in that. We join in the joy of a life in Christ. For all who believe, all who draw near, the message of the cross is no longer weakness and death, but of power and life, eternal. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for all who believe, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So what does that mean? What does it mean then for us to boast in Christ? If we are those who dwell in Christ, if we are joined to him by faith, what is, as the final verse of this passage says, what does it mean for us to consider our calling? What is our calling? Well, The, the summary of that, those four verses is that our calling is to boast in Christ. So, so what does it mean? Well, it said in the city of Corinth that... On every street corner, you can go. You could run into one of these so-called wise men, uh, whose insights uh, and wisdom would solve all of the world's problems. And you could imagine, you go to the, um, you know, the the, uh, the corner of, uh, of, of. Uh, uh, it, it, it's the same way for our society today. Uh, my wife and I lived in D.C. for uh, three and a half years. About uh, a mile away from the White House, and if you go to the the uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, you'll you'll see on each and every block uh, signs and um, and and voices, and, and, and you'll you'll see uh, advertisements, and you'll see literally uh, you'll see lots of different claims to what is this power, uh, what is the way the new philosophy of how to solve all of the world's problems, uh, some of which I could quote and some I can't because there are children here. Uh, th- th- these particular claims, again, fall short. And yet they're there, and yet we, as the call of Christ, must interact with this world and, and, and even participate in it and shape it and glorify God in our world. Just as the Corinthian church is, but doing so as those who are uniquely following Jesus and applying his gospel. See, boasting in Christ means that our fidelity to Jesus, not to any other cultural institution, familial culture, communal culture, or even our personal fidelity... When we boast in Christ, we look at him for how we are to work and live and have our being. And what our relationships look like to other cultures around us. There's lots of ways of thinking about culture. So I don't mean to make this uh, homogenous as though culture is out there and we're... Here and we just kind of go fix everything and then come back. That, that's not the right way of thinking that. Uh, first of all, culture's right here as well. Uh, culture's right here as well. We, we, don't, uh, we don't... So I, I don't mean to, to um, offer that idea that, that I'm saying we just take Jesus into culture. Uh, culture is everywhere. We have to always apply the gospel in all manners and all relationships and all cultural systems in our midst. So how do we do that? That's extraordinarily overwhelming. Uh, there's like literally a billion different applications you could have for that. Um, but what does it mean? That h- How do we boast in Christ? If it means our highest fidelity is to Jesus, how do we do this? How do we boast? St. St. Augustine in his later years faced that same question when Rome was falling. Um, He received a letter uh, from someone saying uh, that there were three different ways that uh, the the reason Rome was falling is because they turned to Christianity and they'd forsaken the lower G gods of their their, uh, former systems. And uh, St. Augustine, as what you can imagine a theologian of the church would do, wrote him a 1,000-page response that uh, we, we now have as a book called The City of God. And in this book, he, he has an amazing job of communicating to uh, this person, but ultimately to, to all of us, that the city, Rome, which you can apply to any city, Washington, D.C., Springfield, Virginia, name your place Name your culture. Uh, uh, but what he was saying here is um, essentially that it wasn't because they had turned to Christianity, but actually because they had not fully embraced the truth of the gospel message and that the Christian people had not properly applied the Christian message as the church in Rome, that it was fallen. And, and so there's, there's four takeaways. I'm, I'm not going to uh, tell you... Has anyone read this book? The whole thing? Of course oh, you have, yes. <laughs> okay. um, I I listened to some of it, so don't feel guilty if you haven't read it. I have not read the whole thing, and I uh, I, I love what I've listened to uh, on my drives so far. Um, but again, don't... I'm not saying go read this. That may be one application for you. But just for for. Four reasonable takeaways that I have from, uh, from understanding what the message of this book is uh, Of how we boast in Christ The first is to know your cultures See, we, we exegete, we interpret and expound Not just the scriptures, but our culture If you, uh, we have to know our cultural context As much as we expound and interpret the scriptures That means to understand uh, Thinking of it applied to familial Culture. Um, that means we have to understand our, our families of origin and even going back as far as a few generations to know how what we're living today impacts where we've been before. If we don't know the history of our families, then we can't actually understand where we are now and how we can uh, how, how we can uh, appreciate the heritage that we have and also uh, correct the errors from the past. Uh, Pete Scazzaro's ministry uh, has uh, offers a really great uh, thing called the genogram, which which is a, a systematic way of exploring family, culture and past to be able to communicate how, how best to heal and move forward into the future. And we can do the same thing with uh, any other particular manifestation of culture. The second thing we do is not just understand it, but we think critically about culture. It was uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldberg's character from Jurassic Park. He, he said this brilliantly. You scientists were so preoccupied with whether we could create dinosaurs that you didn't stop to think if you should. In the same way, this is our calling as Christian people. We think, what, what do we do? We have to think critically about the cultural systems around us so that we, uh, so we know whether or not we engage and, and specifically how we engage. Perhaps it's a, uh, uh, thinking of a work culture. Um, perhaps it's in your particular work culture context to include um, certain unspoken assumptions that uh, you're going to be always aiming at the next promotion, committing 80 hundred hours weekly without regard to the consequences of what that may be on uh, your other commitments around you, uh, needing to get to the next managerial position or make partner or attain a certain benchmark or goal. It, would, it won't make a lot of sense to a non-Christian to to put boundaries up and say no i'm not going to do that because i have to volunteer at my kids small group to teach them about jesus that won't make any sense and that's not just a commercial for kids small groups but it is (laughs) also to understand what if you have the ambition to make that next leap to work it's not to say don't don't commit yourself and work extremely hard but where is that coming from the motivation coming from a call of Jesus or is it just a prideful ambition that's where discernment comes in uh, the third thing we do is we connect to the culture we connect our bible to the cult- culture we connect our Uh, our faith to the culture. As we're transforming in Christ, so too we walk into culture and we transform it Uh, and transform the lives of those around us. Uh, Jesus transforms the lives of those around us as we we connect with uh, the culture and connect our faith with the culture around us. And finally, uh, we do this patiently and creatively. I talked with uh, Trey uh, to, uh, yesterday. He, uh, we're about to baptize him. It's, he is coming in. This is a one way of proclaiming your, your, um, your commitment to the, uh, to the world of trusting in the crucified king. It's to to be buried with him in baptism so that your hope is now to be raised with him in the end. Trey's going to be taking that steps. And I said, Trey, just tell me, like, I'm going to put you on the spot. And he thought I meant, like, you mean, like, I'm going to have to get up and preach? And I was like, no, 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 I didn't mean like that. But more like, hey, uh, where do you see this in your life? Where do you see that even just coming forward for baptism is, like, tough? Like, has there been any consequence for you? And one of the things he mentioned is, like, it's in, in family and in work. In pretty much all areas of life, it's like he's had to learn to be patient. It doesn't come naturally to him. And I was like, man, that's so brilliant. Uh, that's not something we readily admit. Even something as simple as, I'm not a very patient person. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a work of what God does in us through baptism and through our constant re-engagement with him in our lives. Of boasting in Christ... The crucified king. I will, um, I'm going to pray for us. And as I pray, uh, we're going to prepare uh, for this baptism. Um, and I just want to take a, a minute for us to just sit with the Lord. And, uh, and I want you to imagine with me the, the crucified Christ. Um, and what you're boasting before the crucified Christ, or in the crucified Christ is today. Lord Jesus, we bless you and your word and all you have for us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.